Hello and welcome back to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. So today I'm going to be talking all about sleep needs, particularly babies, toddlers, children who need less sleep than, than most of their peers. How do you know if you have a low sleep needs child? How do you figure that out? How do you make it work for your family? And are there any risks or drawbacks? Is your child going to develop less well if they don't get, say, as much sleep as their peers or as much as, say, other people in your life think that babies and young children should do? When I was talking about this on social media, lots and lots of people suggested uh, my guest today, who is Paula Morales McDowell, and she is a fellow sleep consultant who I have followed on Instagram for years now and love her work because she or she has a, a child who is low sleep needs. So I'm really grateful for Paula to come along and share her story about how they figured that out, how they how they made how they rolled with cat naps and late bedtimes and all of that stuff and just made it work for their family and how she also supports low sleep needs families through her work as well and um I got to I suppose we have we have children actually the same age and I got to share my story of having kind of an average average to high sleep needs child and actually how different our two experiences are with you know overtiredness for example and is that a thing and how does it affect different children in different ways because we accept that not all adults need the same amount of sleep and that we're all different and have different bodies and different needs and yet for some reason there is this idea in the parenting world that babies need a more generic amount of sleep and that all babies get overtired when in reality they just don't but anyway I'm not going to talk too much now because Paula (laughs) says so many brilliant things herself and shares that with us. So I'm going to go straight into the interview and just want to say, as ever, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you could like, subscribe, leave a review, any kind of support for the podcast is always so, so, so appreciated. And thank you to everyone who has been leaving some lovely reviews already. It really means a lot and helps me get this podcast out to even more sets of ears. So thank you. The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club, the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, The Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality secondhand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com, to sign up today. Hello. Hey, so um, here we are. We're both hosting today, so that's interesting. (laughs) This is the first for me, but I'm excited. Yeah, same, same. So um, I guess... uh, introducing ourselves. My name is Paula. You guys know me. If you're listening on my podcast, you are listening to Bed Tech Tea with Paula. And if you are coming from Hannah's podcast, um, yeah, my name is Paula. I'm a sleep and well-being specialist, much like Hannah is. We do very similar work. We're very, um, as far as I've seen, we're very aligned in our views around sleep and sleep training. Um, And uh, I have 
we just found out that Hannah and I have kids pretty much the same age. They're like a week apart. So both of our little ones are turning four at the end of this month. And uh, I'm expecting currently I'm 36 weeks pregnant. So any day now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it for me. Oh, and I'm in Canada. I'm calling in from Ontario. <laughs> And so for listeners of Paula's podcast, I'm Hannah. Um, I run an Instagram account called Little Nest. That's my business. And um, my podcast is called Sleep Like a Baby. And I am, yeah, so I'm I'm also currently pregnant. I'm 24 weeks now we're recording this. And Sorry. as as Paula said, we have uh our we have two, we both have sons almost the same age. So yeah, it's so cool. Um do you, do you know what you're having? No, do you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're having a girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I'm trying to keep it a surprise, but um oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. How do you feel about having a girl? We're excited. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those things, like I would have been happy regardless, right? But yeah. the, it is nice because we kind of we know we're done after this. So yeah, you know, and my son was adamant from day one. He was like, It's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl. But yeah, it was really cute. He like knew. So um it's very sweet that he he got it right. <laughs> see my son is very very like feels very strongly it's a boy so maybe mm. maybe they know um maybe they do yeah that's interesting oh yeah. oh now I really want to know <laughs> I can't wait to find out <laughs> um yeah. but yeah so and I'm based I'm based in the UK um I live in London um yeah like I said I live with my my son and my partner and very much on the on the um side of sleep that where we don't aren't so pro sleep training I'm very much in I suppose holistic and responsive strategies and working in the realm of normal infant sleep so mm-hmm. I'm sure if you're listening to either of our two podcasts yeah you, yeah that's what you're here for <laughs> yeah yeah I love that and I love the title of your podcast it's like sleep like a baby like but yeah. like a real baby not like yeah, a... exactly yeah <laughs> that phrase is just torture for too many people <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny because now I'm pregnant. I'm not sleeping, <laughs> and it's not because of my child. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Well, it yeah. is because of the child inside of me. But yes, <laughs> yeah. oh, 36 weeks. That is that's the final stretch, isn't it? It's... Yeah, yeah, it's rough. But uh, yeah, so I know that. Um, I think you had opened up some questions in your Instagram. Is that how? And then somebody asked about low sleep needs. Yeah, I was talking about you know, what do you feel isn't talked about enough, I suppose? Or what do you feel is a challenge that you don't see with as many, you know, that is you don't have friends with as many, you know, with suffering from that. And so many people said, we just need more resources on low sleep needs. And a bunch of people suggested you and was like, Paula has a kid with low sleep needs. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I love that. that person to speak to because I've I've never covered that subject on my on this podcast yeah. either. So, um, awesome. yeah. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? How you figured that out and what that looked like for you? Yeah, sure. So, I guess probably I I, I don't know your origin story, but I think like a lot of us, just kind of you go into parenthood not really knowing much about sleep. Um, and then you start to look, look stuff up and you start to find all these, uh, schedules online and all these things, right. That's kind of the first stuff that comes up. Um, and I just remember, you know, in the newborn days, I mean, he slept all like all babies, they just 
eat, sleep and poop. Right. But then um, as he started to get into like three, four months and whatnot, and he was a catnapper. That was the fir- that was the first thing. Um, he was like sometimes a 20, like a 45 minute nap was good. Um, and so I started to see the stuff online about um, they need to take longer naps. But also like I would just look up these sample schedules because I was like, how am I supposed to, you know, and I would find these schedules and it, they just didn't make sense to me because it was like, OK, wake up at this time, go down at this time, sleep for two hours. And then, you know, and I was like, well, how am I supposed to force him to sleep for two hours? Like, that's not happening. Like, I can't. I can't. And so pretty quickly, I think that's what really started to unravel for me, like the BS of it all. I was like, this doesn't make sense because I knew intuitively, like, he's doing great. Like, he's happy as much as I would have liked those longer naps. Like, he was happy and he was sleeping decently at night. Like, not, he wasn't sleeping through, obviously, but he was fine. Like I, I was, I was managing at that point. It wasn't, it wasn't until later that things got a little harder when, uh, for me, I always say, I don't know, I don't know about you, but the six to like nine month sleep was like harder. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, actually, I think I'm an, I'm an annoying anomaly in that it wasn't, but we can come on to that later. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think everybody has like their one age where it was like, oh my God, that was so hard. Like I found the newborn stage to be fairly easy. So, so yeah, so that's kind of how I came across with that. And then I started to sort of look into it and then, you know, fast forward, I think I want to say he was like seven or eight months, maybe when I signed up to become a sleep coach, because I had kind of gone through everybody around me with sleep training. I was like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't buy into it, but it was also like, you know, the extreme I was seeing like either like bed share and like, don't do anything ever again or, <laughs> or sleep training. And I wasn't into it. So anyways, that's kind of long, long story short, but um, that was always one of the first things that I like looked into when I wanted to learn about sleep science was like, how much are kids actually supposed to sleep? And let's like, what's the data behind it? And I remember when I finally came across the sleep foundation has like their charts online that show like a range of what's an appropriate amount of sleep. It was just the most relieving thing for me. And because the range is so wide. And so just knowing, like, it was so validating. Like I, I already sort of knew that, but it was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like not every kid needs the same amount of sleep. And it just makes sense. Just like not every adult needs the same amount of sleep. Right. And you're seeing all these things that are like, they need to sleep 12 hours at night and they need to take these long naps. And I was like, that's never going to happen for my child, but he's happy. He's like super healthy. He's meeting all his milestones. Like, why would I stress about it if he's clearly doing well? And I think that's, obviously my beef with the sleep training industry, right? It's just like always making parents feel like there's something wrong when there isn't anything wrong. Um, so yeah, I yeah, that's kind of the gist of the story. <laughs> yeah. And it is really stressful. I mean, the, the, the whole, the whole like routines anyway are, are stressful, even if your child sort of needs that amount even if you have that child that fits that I still think yeah. it's really stressful and I suppose that was sort of my experience in that um I mean I had a yeah I, my the first year of parenthood for me was very different I think because I my son didn't really sleep in the newborn mm. phase like he'd oh, I okay. never had that like just sleeping and pooping and feeding thing he was just like 
I felt like he was just born wide awake. Oh my God. <laughs> and so yeah. people are always saying to me like how alert he was. And, um, but it, it turns out that uh, it, that wasn't actually to do so much with his sleep needs. It was more to do with kind of feeding challenges and mm. any other stuff, I guess. Um, yeah. Like even when he had jaundice, I still felt like he didn't sleep very much. Oh man, <laughs> like, that's hard. Yeah, um, but that's a whole other story. But then I found actually by about seven or eight months, we kind of found our groove. But that was okay. the, for me at which I had given up trying to put him into this mm. like this schedule and I so I think that was the change I don't think it was necessarily that sleep was any particularly better I think it improved a little bit actually I think which is quite yeah. useful and I'm mm. sure that people hate me for saying that but yeah yeah well it's <laughs> different for everybody right yeah but the biggest change wasn't just actually how he was sleeping it was how I felt about it because yeah in this guide um and it was everything about it like the 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 premise is your child has to do a two-hour lunch nap and sleep 12 hours at night and actually now knowing what I know my son has quite average sleep needs so in many of the ways he would sort of follow a lot of like he would kind of fall asleep when they said it was for him to and if he was in a sling he would often do a two-hour lunch nap like it wasn't Right. I mean, it wasn't what, impossible. It wasn't yeah. impossible, but not he, like mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he never did anywhere near 12 hours overnight. Yeah. And if anything, I was just obsessing about all of these naps and trying to get him to sleep hours and hours and hours in the day. Like in hindsight, he's like, he was probably just, and then I was expecting him to do seven till yeah. seven every night. Yes. And I wish I had seen some data about what is normal because it, I honestly didn't see that stuff until he was like a year and a half old. And then I was like, oh my God. Yeah that's so normal you know I really yeah doing something so wrong because he would sleep 10 or 11 hours not at night yeah um and that's so common like 10 yeah. hour a 10 hour night is like pretty yeah. standard for most yeah. kids I think that is I want to say the average for most babies is like 10 hours I think yeah. uh depending on what study you're looking at but generally it's about 10 hours it's like what they actually sleep yeah it's not uh, and actually just before, before um we logged on I thought okay let's just I'm just going to refresh my memory actually um I was on Instagram and Caitlin Plimmer was talking on her stories about a a recent review I don't know if you saw it she just posted it okay shout out to Caitlin (laughs) yeah exactly um who's always really great at talking about data yeah yeah, I love I love the way she like phrases them or like puts things forward with like the evidence and it was a 2023 study. It looked at night. It was like a review. It looked at 93 studies of infant sleep. And it's, mm. it's so obvious that, and like, I've got it here and it's just saying that basically overnight between like nine to 10 and a half hours is, is the average for it's the average. Yeah. So yeah. When we're talking about like low sleep needs, a lot of people say like, Oh my, I often have consultations that start with my child has really low sleep needs. They only sleep 10 and a half hours at night. And maybe they are but I you know it's just funny how our expectations not necessarily yeah is the gold standard yeah yeah Um, exactly and I think just knowing like that for me that is like a tool that I use a lot still with clients and that I find helps people is just to know like what's your kid's average like what they need in a 24-hour period and that's how we can, we go from there, right? Like whether, you know, sometimes there are parents who are like, hey, I would really like my kid to sleep a little bit longer at night. I'm like, okay, well then you're going to have to cap 
mm-hmm. naps somewhere. Like you got to take it from somewhere. Like my sort of thing is like, this is how much sleep your kid needs. You cannot make them sleep longer than they need. That's just like, you can't, right? So uh, figuring that out is so important. And that's the thing I feel like there are, I definitely come across a lot of babies who are being expected to sleep more than they should. Yeah. Um, they're taking these long naps, for example. And then they're like, my kid won't sleep seven to seven it's like well yeah like they're just they don't need that much sleep so um but yeah there's just a lot of misconceptions about how much sleep is needed and and that so for me that was a big thing finding out I remember I did get sort of really into wake windows yeah um early on and and the part of it was that was because I found wake windows to be a lot more helpful than schedules because at least I could say okay my kid woke up after 45 minutes now I start the clock till when I put them back to sleep as opposed to following a schedule that's meant to have a two hour nap. Well, then now like that doesn't add yeah. up. Right. Yeah. So, so I really, really got into wake windows, but I, I certainly think I went over to the obsessive side of it, which I now warn clients against, like use them as a tool, not a rule. That's what I always say. Um, they're not based on evidence. Your kid's brain development isn't going to be ruined if they're up longer than they quote unquote should, right? Like there's just no real evidence that, yeah, like that the, they need to be awake for only a certain amount of time. Because I certainly went to, to the extreme again of like, I was so concerned about his wake windows that I was also putting him to sleep, I think too early and fighting for naps. Yeah, And that can also sort of... Uh, continue the cycle of short naps too right because he wasn't tired enough so certainly understanding all those things was really helpful for me uh eventually once I kind of I'm so looking forward to having I'm sure you are like having another one and just doing things differently the second time and not stressing about all those things just but it just, yeah. it just shows like how different all of our children are and how and how unique their sleep needs are and I think this is just what gets missed so much and yeah I hope that's the one thing that helps me have hopefully a calmer experience in second time motherhood just because um you know everything you said about your child is like the opposite for mine so my son he I I say I think he has quite average maybe high sleep needs but I think he's pretty average um and he's really but he's very sensitive to overtiredness so for Mm -hmm. him he was he he would go like so wake windows can be really helpful just as like a common sense tool right because I would like I remember there were so many days where I'd look at my like I don't know four week old and realize he hadn't napped in like six or seven hours oh my gosh yeah (laughs) yeah that's probably a bit long (laughs) or like he would or he would have he would have like he'd be he'd be feeding a lot and maybe drop off for 10 minutes in that six hour period Mm. and that would be it and so for us for me it was more like oh actually I need to put him down not even like so if he, okay, six or seven hours is extreme, but even if <laughs> yeah. he three hours one day, that would be a short nap for him. But two hours would be a long nap, right? Because yeah. he was really, when he was really little, that was, whereas your son, it's the opposite. You're putting him down too early. Yeah. Then he's waking up because that's all he needs. So that's, that's why this is so maddening and why you talk to your friend and you're like, what am I doing so wrong? And they say, here's this routine or here's these wake windows yeah. and you try it. And then you can feel even more like a failure. Because if it doesn't suit your child, it's game over. Yeah. I remember 
so my son must have been around four months and I had kind of gotten over this idea that like he's just a catnapper it is what it is and I remember going to there was like I used to go to like these they do I don't know if they do this in the UK they do sometimes here in like local movie theaters they do like mommy events where you can go watch a movie with your baby um and so anyways I met this mom it was like the first time I ever met her and you know we got to chatting kids were the same age and it was typical like how's sleep going right and I remember her saying oh yeah it's just hard like naps are really hard I'm like oh what's the problem she's like oh she only takes 40 minute naps and I remember saying to her oh so does mine but like how is night sleep and she's like that's pretty good I'm like so is mine I'm like I'm not worried about it and she was like oh yeah I guess that's like fine and I just I think that was like one of the first instances in which I was like I really want to start doing this for a living because I just sort of saw like parents just need to be told like it's fine and and you know she was worried but like there was like as soon as I told her like no mine does the same thing and I don't think it's a problem she was like oh yeah I guess it's not a problem (laughs) you know comes with that is enormous isn't it yeah yeah so it's just like we worry so much now okay now I'm curious so our kids are again they're both turning four so they're same age what's your what's his sleep like now Oh, well, I'm always scared to jinx it, right? <laughs> yeah. Generally, it's knock, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, generally, it's pretty good. Like, he generally sleeps through. But I have to say, I, um, I've been in his bedroom since I've been pregnant. So, like, oh, <laughs> six months. Nice. Nice. <laughs> we have a two bed. And my uh, when I'm pregnant, I snore very badly. And oh. it turns out my son is much better at tolerating the snoring than my husband. So... <laughs> So we kind of alternate. So That's that funny. Sometimes I do. So funny. Um, I I snore a lot too, and and during pregnancy more so. And yeah, I had one day where my son came into my bed because he usually he's in his own room. He comes into my bed in the morning, and he was like all cuddled up against me. I remember being annoyed because he was like in my space, and I was like, oh my god, dude, like <laughs> too close. And all of a sudden, he's just, he he like kind of wake half wakes up. He's like, mama go snore somewhere else <laughs> excuse you you're in my bed <laughs> get out of here my son I think we're like sleep twins though we're both very deep sleepers okay um, we need I think I guess a reasonable amount of sleep we both get quite cranky if we don't get enough sleep so fair yeah I'm I'm definitely a very high sleep needs person I think this is why I do the job I do is because that sleep was the part of parenthood I found the hardest because I really would be very happy yeah. on eight to nine hours a night, like nine yeah, hours same. a night. <laughs> that would be my gold standard. And I think it's really hard if you're high sleep needs and you have a, a it's child. It's so hard. Yeah, I think that's that's a challenge, right? Um, yeah. Whereas my husband yeah. is more of like a seven seven hours. He's fine. Whereas seven hours, I'm I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, same same. I'm dead. Well, lately it's like I just have to know but like in terms of schedule like what would you say is like how many hours he's getting is he napping no so he hasn't okay. napped a year now um unless we are on holiday it's really hot or we've been really busy or we take a ill time yeah. our journey or whatever and then he falls asleep at like four um so generally he doesn't nap and he goes to sleep at about 7 30 and he wakes at about 6 6 30 so okay so like 11 hours hours is and that's kind of being his average so I think he is quite a like I say an average average yeah and my son I would say 
is doing about 10 hours. So he goes to sleep around these days. It's like 10 PM. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he, he's up at like eight o'clock. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's even less actually. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, looking at, and I mean, I mean, we can go over the averages. I have the sleep foundation up on my browser here, but like for preschool, so three to five years, the recommended is 10 to 13 hours in a 24 hour period, including naps. Right. So same thing, right? Like, so mine is more on the 10 hour side. Uh, sometimes, like I said, sometimes even less and they used to, so they did change this with the sleep foundation recently, which I don't like because they used to have it where this is the recommended. And then this is the like, maybe appropriate range. Um, and they kind of taken that away, but they do say that like, it can go up or down an hour or so. Right. So that's why I'm saying like, he's on the 10 hour, but like maybe sometimes nine, whereas yours is like 11 ish hour. So he's still not on like the 13 hour, like super high, right? 12, like maybe once a week, he'll, he'll bust out a 12 hour night. So I think he is on the slightly high middle to higher end, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Also a real um, early bird as well. So I would like when we go away or we want, you know, or it's like, Christmas or something and we want to be more relaxed and we want him to stay up later and be able to like come out for dinner it is so hard to get him past eight o'clock like I work mm. very hard for a 7 30 8 o'clock bedtime every day because that's kind of what we need for our working lives like it's difficult right like he would go to bed at six o'clock every night if he could <laughs> like he would oh wow like six or five every night he that he loves an early night and often that's so funny to bed early and Sometimes I feel a bit mean because I'm, for me, getting him to eight o'clock is like me pushing him to his limit. But it's, but again, it just shows you how different because like, and the grass is always greener maybe and we compare because I love the idea of, you know, I have got lots of friends whose kids do stay up to like nine or 10 o'clock at night. And then I'm deeply envious of it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Right. Like both have their pros and cons, right? And it's so weird because when he was like little, little, like four months, five months, whatever, he was like a six o'clocker and then he was up at like, like early too. And I hated it. Cause I am not a morning person yeah. and I don't know how like it shifted over the years, but yeah, now it's like, it was like his bedtime. We, we tell him his bedtime is nine o'clock technically, but we just never get him to bed by that point. Um, but yeah, like it, you know, it right now in Canada, you know, it's with summer coming, like it gets dark quite late. So it is nice. And that's part of why it's gotten later and later usually does in the summer, just because like, it's getting dark at nine, nine 30. Like there's just no way he's going to go to bed earlier. Um, but I do love that he sleeps in. And, and then for me, the issue is that like, I'm not a very schedule oriented person and so it's usually me having to wake him up in the morning to get to daycare and so like we're just the people that are like running late in the mornings um I'm very jealous <laughs> yeah, yeah I get that hours here please take him <laughs> yeah yeah I used to when he woke up or like it's been now like as his schedule has gotten later that he wakes up later or like I have to wake him up but before I would just like constantly just be like here's a snack go away (laughs) let me sleep or in the weekends it's like go watch some tv I'm gonna stay in my bed like I I'm very relaxed about that because yeah I mean I like to sleep so um I think there are pros to having a low sleep needs child because um 
And because I, I think we should acknowledge how, yeah, I'm sure you know this, but like how frustrating or hard and long the days are when you're not getting those like lovely long naps and those breaks. Like that's quite it's hard. And then you're not getting an early night. You know, it, the days are long. It's and it, being a parent is exhausting. And, you know, I remember when he dropped his nap. So he stopped napping pretty early too, like around two. And that tends to be the case with low sleep needs kids. They they drop their naps a bit earlier. And it was so great because he was going to bed at seven, seven thirty, right? It was like, oh, he's exhausted. He's passed out and he's sleeping all night. And then it just sort of like that kind of eventually changed to the point of, yeah, like he just doesn't need much sleep now. But um Anytime we kind of had a nap transition like that was really nice because he would go to bed early <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we got a, like a longer night. And then, then, you know, it sort of goes back. Um, yeah, because I say that my son dropped his nap about a year ago. Realistically, throughout the age of three, he has gone through phases where it's come back. And so right. it, it mm. like he stopped. Yeah. So actually, so how old was your son when he it was gone for good? It's hard to say because even to this day, he will randomly take a nap. But like I, even before two, he started like skipping naps. Mm-hmm. I would say by like two and a half, he was pretty consistently not taking naps. Oh. Yeah. And then. It's not crazy. Yeah. I don't know why I did it. I think it's just because it's so different to. Yeah, so. it's different. And so many people I remember. Yeah. Like people who had kids the same age were like, how do you deal without a nap? And I'm like, I just you just do like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have, I can't force him. Right. And it, and it was also for me, it was a bit of that, that same idea of like you, I could sometimes get him to take a nap, but then it was like, Oh, now I'm up till much later. So it was like, you know, it was like that catch with you. Oh yeah. I got my break in the middle of the day, but now I'm up late. So yeah, you know, you can't, you can't win. And that's a, a lot of times what I say to families too, is like, you have to sometimes choose like, where do you need your time? And I think, well, I do believe in following your child's lead. And obviously, again, you can't make them sleep more than they need to. You can play around with it sometimes a little bit and be like, okay, you know what? I need that longer nap. Yeah. I'm going to be okay with that later bedtime because I need that middle of the day nap. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I'd rather they don't nap so that they can go to bed early. And that works for me. As long as your kid can handle it. And obviously they're not miserable, then then do yeah. that right like so uh, you can you can play around with it a little bit uh but certainly there's less to play around with if you have a lower sleep needs kit because yeah. <laughs> there's so less I, there you can definitely see like the the drawbacks in the sense of like you're not getting a break they might drop the nap earlier all of those things but then I think the positives seem to be that you can have a, a there's a more of an element of flexibility so you know Absolutely. that if they skip that nap at 18 months it's not gonna undo it's not going to be the end of the world you're not going to have like a, a massive meltdown like that so there are like pros to it as well it's not all negative <laughs> absolutely and I I and this is why I always talk a lot about with my clients about trial and error because that was something that happened to me where again he was like under two and I remember there was this one day we had gone to like the farm or something. I can't remember. We were, and we were driving. So like, usually if we're on going on long drives, he'll fall asleep. Right. And he hadn't, and he hadn't slept all day. And I was like, he's fine. Like he, he's handling this great. And, you know, again, this whole idea, and this is why, like, I often say to families, once your kid gets to one nap to try and forget about wake windows, because 
it's so easy to be like, oh my God, they're only supposed to be up for three hours and now they're up for six. Mm -hmm. And it's so, but like observe your child. And then there are some kids, like you mentioned about your child who are easily overtired. So you do need to protect that a little bit. Whereas I know with my son, I don't have to worry. And like, you know, if we're out, like, you know, if it's Christmas or like we have family over and he's excited, like my, my parents were here this weekend um he absolutely adores them so he was up super late with them and he's fine like I don't have to worry about that and you know then he'll just either sleep in actually I I think on the weekend he didn't get much sleep at all because he was so excited like he didn't want to go to sleep and then he was up early (laughs) because he wanted to play with them right so he got less sleep and that and that's fine he can handle it and then he'll make up for it later so it's just like that's the for sure, that's the pro for for something like that. Whereas, you know, again, some parents, I know with a kid this age, or even maybe a little bit younger, maybe like a just turned three year old, if it's like, oh, God, if they don't get their nap, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a rough day, right? Um, so yeah, pros and cons there. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember when my son was two, we had this little holiday, and we had loads planned every day. And I was like, Oh, he can just yeah, we'll just fit in the naps, whatever. I was trying to be really relaxed. I was trying, we were coming out of lockdowns and I was like, I just want to like go with the flow. I just want to have some freedom finally. Yeah. And like halfway through that week, we just had to sort of cancel everything because he yeah. was a hot mess. Yeah. I like the third day because he had actually only been having like 30 minute naps in a car here or there and bedtime was getting later and he was just he was having a miserable time and we had to spend a day where we like stayed at home and he like slept like three out three and a half hours in the middle of the day amazing yeah and then after that he was a different child again so yeah crazy you know so I think sometimes it sounds like oh it's amazing you could nap so much or sleep so much but then the drawback is you're always having to facilitate that and that takes away an element of flexibility so if anyone listening to this has a really low sleep needs child and they're just like oh there's that there's that positive that you're not having to and I was and like he so I mean I guess same for your your son like when the pandemic hit he was like nine-ish months so before that you know I I was out all the time like I I'm the type of person like I need to go to like the baby groups like I just cannot be home and I was just like out and about with him all the time and I was like he would he would nap in the in the stroller a lot like he just took a lot of on-the-go naps and it was I just knew that they were going to be short anyway so I didn't have to worry it wasn't until later I think you know some of it again, it's one of those things I'm excited to kind of do over because I think I stressed a little bit too much about try like the, when he was like a two nap schedule, it was like really complex. And I, you know, we were trying to be home for naps more and whatever. And I, I found that really stressful because it was like not easy to figure out. Whereas when he was little and he would just kind of take quick cat naps here and there, it was like, whatever, he can nap anywhere. Um, So it was really easy in that regard. And I, didn't have to worry too much um and he and I am lucky too he's he's uh you know he can he can get distracted when it comes to falling asleep and whatever obviously as a baby was a little bit easier but once he's out he's out like a rock like yeah (laughs) these days he's like he's falling asleep by himself most days um because because again it's like he he really will stay up late if he if you let him so like now our thing is basically he has this uh little light next to his bed that he likes to turn on and he likes to read books and so we just let him read books by himself until he falls asleep 
<laughs> and then I go in there and turn off the light because he, he wants it. Um, he, he would keep it on all night if he could. So, you know, when I go in there, I have to like reposition him and cover him, like tuck him in and whatever. And I could literally probably throw him and he would not wake up at that point. Like he's out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great uh but that's kind of also what we've had to work with because we did for a while have like our you know long bedtime routine and whatever but now it's like he's going to bed so late I'm tired like I'm just like okay dude you don't want to go to sleep well I'm going to my bed <laughs> so you can go read books and then I'm gonna go to my room uh, and that's working out really well for our family right now so you know it just it's different for each yeah, for each kid um and, and did you find then um like that other people had opinions about how l- potentially little sleep your son was having to this day my mom just this weekend was like he's not getting enough sleep and I was like does he look like he's fine you know and I'm I just kind of like got it like rolled my eyes at her but um yeah yeah it, it, like you know people will say that like it's not enough sleep but I think yeah it was mostly that I don't think I mean, I don't talk about it with too many people. It's not like something that a lot of people are aware of, like how much sleep he gets. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure lots of people would be like, that's that's not enough. Um, and I do, and I've seen this in sleep trainer pages where they're like, I remember there was one that I was looking at and she was talking about how much her sleep, her kid was sleeping. And they looked, it was like very high sleep needs, like very, very long naps long night whatever and so somebody had mentioned like oh it sounds like your kids high sleep she's like no that's just what all kids need and I was like ah like it makes me so angry because I know that there's a mom reading that that's got a low sleep needs kid that's thinking like what am I doing wrong and what like I always say like life is too short to spend it fighting with a kid to sleep like it is just not worth it for anybody's mental health because even if they're high sleep needs or low sleep needs if it's a battle, it's a battle and it's not going to work. Like even if they're so, if it's, if they're fighting it because they're super overtired and they're dysregulated, you're going to lose it. Like it's not worth being in that room. Yeah. For if they're low sleep needs and they're not tired, it's really not worth being in that room for an hour. So either way, cut your losses. Yeah. It's just... like just deal with what's happening and then you can come back to the sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you get comments about sleep at all or? just thinking maybe this is one of the nice things about having being like pandemic parenting was that yeah. I felt like you know obviously like yeah for the first sort of eight nine months I was out and about and I was comparing myself constantly to every every single baby I met because that's just where I was at my head and I was reading all this stuff and I was like yeah. fascinated in how much better everyone else was doing than yeah. and so yeah if I knew someone that did a you know I had a friend that did their baby did all the things they were supposed to be doing according to this diet and then actually in lockdown I think that so that was at that sort of when I say things got better at around eight months I think Mm. it was around that point at which I just stopped comparing um and then um but yeah I still actually think that sometimes because a lot of my friends have kids that go to bed much later Mm -hmm. and I'm sure sometimes people be like why are you rushing home for bedtime yeah it just doesn't bother me anymore and I think maybe yeah. that's what lockdown sort of taught me is that actually you can just crack on and yeah and in some ways it'll be strange to do it hopefully without any lockdowns this time yeah. of like being more kind of 
open to other people's opinions I guess but yeah I mean I think it's also what we do for a living right so I I don't think a lot of people are willing to argue about sleep with me because I'll (laughs) I'll just be like yeah okay cool thanks bye (laughs) yeah Yeah. nor am I like asking for help either right like I'm not going up to anybody being like oh my god like I'm struggling like whatever so um that I think makes a difference the one thing I will say too and I I think this tends to come hand in hand it did make it hard. And again, I think that's why I struggled in that, like kind of at that age gap at that age point is because it makes it hard to get a schedule with a low sleep needs kid. Um, because it's so kind of like on the fly and they tend to like, you know, just need like little bit, little catnaps here and there. And so I do remember at that age, like envying people who could be like, like I, I wanted to set up play dates and someone would be like, okay, let's do it after afternoon nap. And I was like, how the heck do you know when afternoon nap is? I was like, what does that mean? I had no concept. And so I really wanted to get him on a schedule for that. And I just, he was just never going to do it. Um, and so that I found, and so, and, and that honestly is part of what gets really nice. Once they get to one nap or no nap, it gets so much easier to like, schedule your day and know like you don't have to worry about getting back to a kid sleeping but that was a struggle for me like the three to two and the three to two nap transition took forever because short naps yeah. in order to get yeah like in order to get a two nap day I needed longer naps because I couldn't like his naps were short and then it would be too you know I was always in that like it's too late to throw in a third nap, but too early for him to, to wait till bedtime, like, you know, and so um, I struggled with that transition quite a bit uh, for that reason. So yeah, that's kind of what it's like. Some people are like, oh, ours happened naturally. And I was like, not for my kid. It was really hard to figure that out. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. That's such a good point about, about re- yeah, having that predictability and, um, so flexibility is great, but sometimes, yeah, having a little bit of, I know what the day is going to look like as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Just like knowing what it's going to look like. It can be, it can be tough. Um, I don't know if this is helpful for anybody who's reading. What I would, what I will say is look up the sleep foundation. Uh, anybody who's listening, not reading. Um, I'm going to go over the hours if that's okay. Yeah. So what they say, and again, the, the reason I like their recommendations is because they are rooted in research and it's really, and it, you know, I actually had a conversation with Laura from um, your science team recently, and we were talking about how really we can't know what's an appropriate amount of sleep for kids. We just know what the averages are across the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's all there is no way. And even like with adults, like whenever you see these things that are like every adult needs eight hours. BS. Like we don't know that for sure. Um, and we know that some people function fine on five to six hours of sleep. Like they do. I'm jealous of those people, Um, but you know, so, so keep, keep that in mind. So what they say for infants four to 12 months, so there isn't really much guidelines for under. Um, so four to 12 months is 12 to 16 hours, including naps. Um, the maybe appropriate range is 11 used to be 11 to 19 oh wait no for this for the 12 months excuse me uh 10 to 18 yeah so I actually have the old chart here how they I don't know why they changed that so it used to be for 
birth to three months was 14 to 17 hours is the recommended, but maybe appropriate as low as 11 and as high as 19. Yeah. So like that's a huge range. Yeah. Um, and again, the maybe appropriate is basically saying like, this is on the either too low or too high, but if your child is doing fine, if your child seems happy, like everything else as well, then it's probably fine. Right. Like that's kind of how I read it. Um, you know, I have people who say like, they're, okay, their kid is in the range and they're getting all the hours that they need, but they're miserable. They're exhausted all the time. Like then of course we need to look into that. Right. So it's really focus on your kid's behavior, but kind of knowing the range helps. And then, so now for four to 12 months, it's 12 to 15 is the recommended, but like 10 to 18 may be appropriate. And so, yeah, they did change it because, oh no, 12 to 16, they're saying is recommended. So it's a huge range, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what I say to people. So like, say like, so again, the recommended range for four months is 12 to 15. So Mm -hmm. if your kid only needs 12 hours of sleep, they are not going to do a 12 hour night. They are going to do probably a 10 hour night and a couple naps yeah, or a few naps, a short naps in the day. That was probably what my son was like, right? Yeah. And so again, like this whole concept in the sleep training industry of like the 12 hour night and these long naps, that's not happening for that 12 hour kid. And as for the sleep foundation, that's the recommended. Like, so that's a, that right there is huge, right? And then for um, like 12, so, t- uh, so one to two year olds is 11 to 14 hours, including naps is the recommended and then preschool like we said was 10 to 13 so like I said my son is a 10 hour night and he's good and some kids might be there are kids who are still taking a nap at this age they might take you know if you're on the 13 hour range your kid might take a one hour nap and sleep 12 hours a night right so it's always interesting to look at at those averages I find because uh it makes such a difference and then it's easier when you're looking at your friends going, why are they sleeping so much? Well, that's why it's because they just need to sleep. And I wanted to come back to something you touched on. Cause I think it's a question I get a lot is how do I know mm-hmm. if my child is low sleep? And it's like, or is like, how do I know if they are under or overtired? Like that, you know, especially when we're looking at like resisting sleep, for example, like, yeah. how, like, and I think it is a really tricky question. It's hard. Yeah. I really think, I mean, you get, you have to get to know your own child. And, yeah. and I, I always say trial and error, right? Like yeah. I learned through trial and error that my child could handle longer awake yeah. times so that he's more likely to be undertired than he is to be overtired. Um, he get, he can get overtired and, and he will like sometimes, you know, run wild and you're like, okay, kid, like you need to sleep, but like it, it won't affect his day like it, it won't be a big deal but it, it's more likely that he would be undertired and I would be trying to put him to sleep and he'd be fighting it and yada yada whereas you mentioned your son is prone to being overtired so what does that look like for him well, so this is I think you're just spot on with the trial and error element because it can look almost the same in the sense that my son can get I you know so many times I'm like my, my mother constantly I don't know why you're trying to put that child down for a bed for sleep for another nap. He's clearly not tired, but oh, all the time. I got that all the time. But, you know, I think I was like, like, but he, you know, he just would, if you know, he just would power on through, but get really dysregulated. So for him, he'd be mm. super clumsy, really fussy, suit like just escalate at, like the slightest thing, mm-hmm. and it would look kind of, yeah, and then he would be hard to settle. So 
for him that was his overtiredness um it didn't look like yawning or eye rubbing as it often doesn't but um I just learned I suppose through kind of yeah guesswork and and seeing what throwing a few different things at him and seeing okay I noticed actually on the days that you get a, a couple of longer naps you're happier you're more settled at night you, you fall asleep better on the days when I push it too far you get a bit wired a bit ratty a bit and it's hard you you resist the sleep and that's that's what it is it's like you say it's about getting to know him and just yeah. seeing it but, um but there are, you know, there are a lot of approaches, like, for example, like the possums approach, which is all about sort of pushing the sleep pressure. And I think that can work so well. For, for a kid a, like mine. Yeah. Where yeah. you really need that. And whereas if you've got maybe a child with a slightly more sensitive nervous system or whatever, who gets overstimulated really easily, who gets really wired and yeah, like my kid does, then it would have been a disaster because on those days when he was going yeah. six, seven hours, he was just like, well, you tried, right? You did that whole holiday thing. And that, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because people ask me about possums all the time. And overall, I think it's a great program and I think it's better than most it's things tough. out there, but yeah. I do think that for sure it's going to work better for those low sleeping kid, as opposed to some kids that do. And like, you know, I have a friend who, again, has another kid the same age. And I remember her being like, he needs that nap. And uh, in the end, it needed to be a long nap in the middle of the day where my kid was already dropping his nap, right? And so, yeah, and you just, again, and it, and I it's I know it's frustrating for a lot of parents when you, because I always talk about trial and error, and I know it can be like, just give me an answer. But there yeah. really isn't. And this is why, like, I actually urge people to be cautious of any sleep consultant that's telling you like these are the signs you know because you it's different even like sleepy cues like some kids rubbing eyes is is a late sleepy cue for some kids that's an early sleepy cue sometimes they're just their eyes itchy like you know it just like it really it really is it depends Uh, with my son I kind of notice he gets quiet and he kind of starts to slow down and I'm like okay you're tired um, but a lot of times he doesn't have sleepy cues yeah. to this day. Like, it's more like, dude, it's late. Let's go to bed. <laughs> um, and some kids do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just, it really, you'd really just kind of have to get to know. And then also, I guess the other question is, so I, I guess you did cover this, but like for you, if he was overtired, there were consequences as in like, he would be miserable later in the day. Like he wouldn't get enough sleep and that. Whereas I didn't find as much of that. I did sometimes, but I didn't have that. Like he could recover easily from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, my son, not, not so much. Mm. It is scary. Like, for example, if you've got like a early rising situation, right? And for some, for, for my son, that's normally to do actually with overtiredness. And so like the last thing you want to do if you've already got a kid who's waking really early is trial and even earlier bedtime so I do get that like trial and error can be really scary because that is a gamble but I know for my child that will get him to sleep longer if I go if, if I like when I see he's really exhausted yeah like, right we're going for a 6 30 bedtime and then he will catch up mm-hmm. I know for like my friend's child that is an absolute recipe for disaster and their child yeah, will wake that up would be me in the morning. that would be so yeah I'm also <laughs> People that will, you know, when you see Instagram Q and A's and things, and people are saying, "This is the answer," or you know, even just like, "Oh, you need to cap the nap." Maybe you don't need to cap a nap. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe they actually maybe they need a longer nap. We don't know this about your child, and it makes it harder someone answering the questions because 
yeah. you need so much information about their sort of sleep history to be able to and even when you have all of that sometimes it's still a process of trial and error <laughs> totally and that's it's so good that you say that and that that's the thing why it, it is so hard sometimes to answer questions on Instagram because people will ask very specific questions and I'm like I don't know your kid like I need to know so many things and with clients I can get into that right whereas with and I can ask the questions like okay but what do they look like when they when this happens and like how do they behave and what do you notice and what is you know what is it like on these days versus these days right and so yeah but if I'm answering a Q&A I will sort of lean more towards that yeah. side because that's what I experience whereas I'll be like yeah maybe they just need less sleep yeah. whereas you might be on the side of like maybe they need and and I I've had people tell but I always try to present it like tell people like it's maybe this is the solution yeah. but like I don't know for sure whereas you will see that presented a lot I find in sleep training circles of like the reason every kid wakes up early is because they're not going to bed at, at 7 p.m and it's like that's so dumb like not every kid needs yeah. to go to bed at 7 p.m there's because no like truth there's no to evidence. that there's no science behind this magical 7 p.m being yeah. bed of it's such a weird cultural obsession that yeah in other parts of the world is like ludicrous you know yeah. um Australian sleep trainers are big on the 6 p.m. bedtime and I'm yeah. like oh what that's like not realistic for a lot of people like, what if you <laughs> half the time we're like not even having dinner at 6 p.m. No, exactly. here <laughs> my son would like a six o'clock bedtime but I can't physically get him yeah we can't get we can't finish work and get him like yeah 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 like it's too early <laughs> when he dropped his nap um I did have to I had to pick him up at like 4:30 from childcare and he was going to bed at 6 and he was he would then sleep 6 from 6 p.m. till 7 a.m. the next day for oh like my god it was the best month of my life i was like loving <laughs> and i would just start work again after he'd gone to bed it yeah it did not last but i was like for like a couple of weeks i was like this is my dream this is what they all yeah. talk about the 13 hour night but no that didn't last but um yeah i think yeah i think I think it's important to remember that seven o'clock is very much a cultural idea that works for yeah. some children, but it is so, it depends on so many factors of what, where you are in the world. And I recently had a client in Saudi Arabia and it was so interesting to talk to her about how, you know, the heat dominates when everyone eats and sleeps. And she was like, you know, right. everyone here goes to like the babies. You would never put a baby to bed before 10 or 11 o'clock at night because it is, we're in the desert it's hot like we can't you know yeah but they sleep in in the morning and yeah and even with naps and I've talked about this too when it comes to dropping naps and whatnot it is so cultural and for example in Spain right you have like it's very common for people to take a siesta right so even adults will take a nap and so then therefore they have a shorter night and so you know, I remember when we traveled to Spain, seeing kids out and about at restaurants, like at 9, 10 p.m., it was pretty normal. They would just hang out with their family, right? Um, whereas in the States, it's sort of like children need to be in bed at 7 p.m., you know? So it, it's it's just it's just different. And so there is a bit of, I think there is like that biological need that your child has. And there is also that cultural perspective where um like if you like if you're same child who likes to go to bed early 
if you guys moved somewhere like that, you might end up having a child who does go to bed later because he would just have to adjust and he would still have the same amount of sleep, but at a different time. Yeah, like I had a client in Portugal and so she was British, but living there. And so her, her oldest child was about to start school. And even in like up until about, I think, oh, I'm, Portuguese people can correct me. But basically it was school age children still had a siesta built into their mm. day. So she was saying, I would really, as a British person, I would really like my children in bed at, like by eight o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> my culture. And yeah. my father and I would like that. But like he's six years old and going to school and they give all the kids have a siesta because it's really hot so she's like so my like I can't and I thought that was interesting and and yeah and I grew up um, I spent the first five years of my life in Singapore so my mum woke me up at 5 a.m every day or I would wake at five because that was the Mm -hmm. coolest time and my brother and sister started school at 7 a.m you know so yeah 100% would I be a different if I'd grown up in the UK yeah be different probably so I think we just need to have so interesting and so interesting that you point out the the heat because I do find like I find for for everybody in my family, like I, especially my son and I, like in the summer he, we're more likely to take a nap, yeah. but also more likely to go to bed later because like if we go to the beach and he's in the sun and the water and the sand, like it gets you tired, right? So he'll he's likely to pass out on the way home from the beach and then go to bed later, and that's fine. Like that, and so that's a I, I always talk to people about keeping that keeping an eye on the seasons too and and you know for me living in Canada I think in the UK is similar our seasons are so extreme and so yeah you're gonna probably sleep longer in the winter and and shorter in the uh, summer and you know in an ideal world we could really just follow the rhythms of nature more but obviously that's hard to do in in our current culture but yeah. Or if you yeah. live, if you live in like, I had my sister-in-law used to live in the Arctic circle in like Northern Sweden. So she like, Oh my God. <laughs> zero There's darkness. no sun. <laughs> yeah. Zero darkness and zero sun for certain parts of the year. So, but yeah. And I, I think as well, another common concern that people have about low sleep needs or things they might have been told is that their child is going to be harmed or their, their development is going to be affected. And I think that's something we, we have to dispel here because yeah. there is this idea no. you know that obviously as we're both sleep professionals we know that sleep is important we know that sleep is beneficial for brain development and growth and all these things but it's this idea that more sleep is better but if like you say you can't make someone sleep more than they need to and um a child who has 13 hours in 24 compared to say a child who has nine or 10 hours is it no better isn't is it no more advantage yeah developmentally there is no evidence it's just they are going to be like scientists and brain surgeons and like the the low sleepy kids are just these dumb dumbs I I say I say to people they're efficient sleepers I like that yeah (laughs) and my very anecdotal evidence and you can correct me if if I'm wrong but like this is what I've sort of observed is a lot of times kids who are low lower sleep needs tend to be early to meeting gross motor milestones Mm -hmm. um I know my son was, and that was also part of what interrupted his sleep and why also was difficult around like the six, because he was crawling at six months and he was crawling in his sleep, you know? And so it was waking him up in the middle of the night. Whereas I find where when kids are like a little bit slower to pick up on those skills, they tend to sort of integrate them and they don't, um, 
it doesn't seem to disturb their sleep as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, very anecdotal. There's no scientific evidence to this. I'm just saying like, I've seen that happen quite a bit. And so I almost sort of like in my mind, I'm like, he's just efficient, you know, he's, he, he's, he gets asleep and then he's ready to go and, and learn his stuff. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's hard to say because obviously I'm his mother and I think my kid is brilliant, but like, he's really smart and he doesn't sleep much. Like he really is. So it's like, there's just no truth to that at all. The human race just wouldn't have evolved very far if the essential, if everyone needed like a really, really large amount of sleep, like from an evolutionary point of view, I think it makes sense that we all need different amounts of sleep and that we sleep in different ways so that yeah. as a tribe or whatever, that we can look out for each other. And um, there's just so much fear mongering and misinformation about yeah. sleep. You know, the idea that you have to have consolidated sleep in order to develop well, that's a total myth. Of course you yeah. don't sleep is sleep. It's like, you know, it's like saying broccoli is only good for you if you eat it sat at a table. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> how about you have to have it in a nap, a, a nap in a cot. Otherwise it's not good quality sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Unless- it's so BS. Yeah. There's no truth to any of that. We really no. don't know. No. They, I've even seen, cause when I was looking into, um, cause I have a, like a guide for dropping the nap. I was looking into the research about it and I found it was very interesting. Like a, again, very like, cultural base even there was a study that looked at kids believe in Mississippi and they compared black kids versus white kids and they found that the black kids were more likely to nap later in life um but have shorter night times whereas the white kids were more likely to not nap but have a shorter night um so again it's a a longer night sorry Mm -hmm. so even in the same area it's it's very cultural. So I found that really interesting, but I also found there's a lot of studies that were trying to look at, you know, are kids smarter if they nap longer? Like they really, cause they really wanted to push for like kindergarten, like nap time and preschool nap time. And, you know, saying that cognitive development is better. And, and again, you just cannot generalize these things for some kids who need the nap. Absolutely. Yeah. Their cognitive de- development will be better if they get that nap because they need it. Yeah. But for the kids that don't like it, you're, you're not helping them in that way. So, uh, you know, in our, in our culture, really, we want to like generalize, we want to have guidelines for everything and rules for everything. And it's just like human beings don't work that way. Sort of um, sort of like, yeah. Western neuro- neurotic kind of. <laughs> Like we overparent, we overworry, and we just want the best. And and the irony that that then actually stops us giving our children the best because it kind of feeds into this neurosis, and we can't actually just enjoy it. And then our kids have these stressed out parents because we used the wrong sippy cup or whatever that we did that we weren't supposed to. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, and it's and I find that this breeds into like adult sleep too it's not just kids sleep um like there's this really weird belief especially amongst like you know motivational speakers and like people who talk about that like about early risers and like how successful people wake up early in the morning and they have morning routines yada yada it's like again there's like no evidence to that some people wake up early and do their stuff in the morning some people work until late in the evening and they you know um yes we know that a lot of adults aren't getting enough sleep and that has to do with a lot of things has to do with 
probably we use too much screens and whatever. Yeah. Or we're not getting enough exercise. Like there's so many things that breed into that, but there's it. it, What I hate is that we've gotten to a point where we've put like morality on it. Like, it's like, you're a better person if you get up early and you do stuff in the morning and you drink your lemon juice and whatever (laughs) lemon water, um, or like, you know, if you're not getting enough sleep, like if you don't get your eight hours of sleep, then like somehow you're like a slacker and you're not prioritizing your health. Like it's just, do you know what I mean? Like, it's very like, like it's, it's put a moral value on these things, which I, it's so weird. All the time as well, because I swear 10 years ago, people were talking at least in the UK about how little, like it was a brag to be like, I only need, I only sleep five hours look how productive I am in the sense of like yeah yeah, machine and then if you had eight hours you were this lazy slob and now it's like no you have to be in bed at 9 p.m and wake at five or you're so you can't really win like it's just these weird ideas and I know myself (laughs) that I have tried pre-child many many times to like be that person at a 6 a.m exercise class and they're like oh you never regret a workout I regretted every single one there was (laughs) I was always I never regretted sleeping (laughs) you know um but I can exercise at seven eight o'clock at night and that's when it feels good for me because that's my body clock and it's just all of us so much information we live in this world of constant information and so whilst it's so great that we've got like the resources shared the sleep foundation we can know what's normal at the same time, in the kind of the fast paced world we live in, so much information is just thrown at you, thrown at you, and you just absorb these kind of, right, that's it, I need eight hours, my kidneys 12, you know, it can get so oversimplified and um, homogenized. And, and suddenly you start to think, right, every person needs 2000 calories. Well, maybe they oh don't. Oh my God, that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's like, no, I, I, so shout out to another podcast that I love. Do you listen to maintenance phase? Yes, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I love them so much. And they <laughs> break down all the like diet culture myths and whatever. And they did an episode on the 10,000 step thing, like oh. how 10,000 steps is like the thing that you have to do. And it's literally comes from nowhere. It was just like a number that somebody was like, oh, that seems like a good number. Like, there's, there's no reason that every adult needs 10,000 steps. It's not a harmful thing to do, but like, you know, maybe you're getting 5,000 steps and you're good. Right. Like, so it's all these things. And even like food, for example, like I'm the type of person that I cannot function without breakfast in the morning. I would rather, and I I hate being late for anything, but I'd rather be late than not have breakfast. Like I need my coffee and I need a, a, a meal. Like I need a good bagel or something that's going to fill me up in the morning. And some people don't, like they don't even want to look at food in the morning. Some people can have like a juice and go about their day and then eat later. Neither one is better than the other. Like it's just, it just is whatever your body needs, right? But I think what what the sleep training industry does so well is that it finds people in this point of real vulnerability in their lives. And of course you're going to worry, especially yeah. if first, of course you're going to worry. Why was my kid the, the last one to roll in, our, in my group of mm-hmm. friends? why why do they seem to be more wakeful or even like people sometimes worry like why don't they wake as much as other babies are they sleeping too much like the the world in which you can worry about your child's development sleep feeding there's always something it's limitless and so what people can do now is they can tap into that and exploit it and it's it's yeah it sells way more to say actually here's this really unrealistic goal and if you don't meet it, you're probably a really bad parent and you're letting your kid down. 
Or you could say, hey, like there's this huge range of normal and you just have to find what looks for you. It's not a sexy sell. Like it's not like a... No, I mean, I always say to people, it's like people like you and I, we talk ourselves out of a job, right? Because we tell people their kids are normal <laughs> all the time. Like so many people who message me every day who are like, oh my God, like my kid is sleeping so much better because I follow you. But like, it's like, they've never paid me a dime because they don't have to, you know? And so, whereas like the sleep training is like, this is this very specific thing that you have to do. Here's the rules. And if your child isn't meeting the rules, well, you probably need to buy my very expensive package so that I can help you. And, you know, that that's, yeah, that's a big thing. And and I think what, like, nobody's asking parents. And the, one of the things I try to get to, like, with every client, the, one of the first things is, like, is this working for you? Like, is it a problem for you? And not because your mother-in-law says it's a problem or like whatever, whoever on the internet, but like for you, are you, because how many parents I talk to all the time that are like, yeah, my kid wakes up three, four times a night, but like I soothe them. I go back to sleep. Everyone's good. Like I don't mind. And it's just, and some parents do, and that's fair. Like some people, the way that they sleep is those three wakes are miserable for them. Right. One wake can be yeah. the worst thing ever because you might be awake for two hours anyway yeah like it's all relative to your situation if your baby's really unsettled and screaming all night two wakes is going to feel like hell but yeah if they're just snoozing and going back to sleep with a quick like feed or cuddle yeah. you might not even notice it that's the thing it's just it's or if you're like bed sharing and your yeah. baby turns over and gets some boob on their own and then turns back to sleep you might not even know they're awake you're like whatever I don't know yeah so it's, it's just, just it, like everyone's yeah. the same and we've got to just yeah yeah it just comes it just feeds in I just think particularly motherhood but parenthood but I think particularly about being a mother it's just these it's another unrealistic standard that mm-hmm. that we are rated for not for not meeting and um and we so- want to be good at it like we want and I think that's what it comes down to right like as you become a mom you're like I'm gonna do all the things right I want to get it right I want to be that good mom and so you do you start looking things up because you want to make sure you're doing it right and nothing and, in the world's going to ever mean more to you than the well-being and health of your yeah. child like ultimately as well so yeah um, so it's really hard to to go with the flow and 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 we live in a culture where we haven't been taught to live with the to to go with the flow from from the get-go right we're from the very beginning we're telling people this is the right way to do things this is the right way to learn at school like you have to sit down and read a book and like there's no you know um flexibility for different learners for people who are neurodiverse there's no different like everybody has to fit into this there's been so many studies that have found that teenagers benefit from a later start to school and yet high school still starts early in a lot of places, right? And, you know, it's just like we're, yeah, our culture just in general gets us to that point. So yeah, by the time you become a parent, yeah, you're so used to being given guidelines on how to live your life. Yeah. So, so I just hope that people listening to this, if you, if they have like a low sleep needs child, yeah, just feel reassured that actually you're not doing anything wrong. Your, your child is, there is zero evidence that your child is going to be harmed by having less sleep um they and yeah and it's not forever either you know yeah I guess if I if we want to give people something to look for Mm -hmm. if your child I guess and you can help me think of, of of some signs that you might look for but for me like if your child is regularly seeming exhausted at a certain point in the day like 
like, you know, every day, it's really hard to make it to nap time or bedtime. That's a that's something that I would be like, okay, probably we need to figure out that sleep somewhere, right? If if it's like a consistent thing. Or um kids that are like I've had kid like I've had a I've had a parent tell me, you know, everyone always comments that he looks tired and he he might have just woken up from a nap and he looks tired. Um sometimes that's a, usually a big reflect for me for like low iron because low iron can really make kids look lethargic and like pale and you know uh <laughs> you I, I, I want to say exhibit a you, know, you guys can't see me but I have like really low iron right now okay. um and I'm like this is what it looks like um so so that's a big sign so like things like that I don't know what else would you look for like to say like okay yeah maybe our child needs a little bit more sleep or we need to yeah, I suppose as they get older, mm-hmm. like emotional regulation, obviously we're not expecting kids to like keep it together all the time, but yeah. definitely like with my own kid, I see um, when he's really, really dysregulated and really, um, you know, obviously he's going to get upset about what we deem little things, but like there's upset and then there's like mm-hmm. full force tornado of a meltdown. And I, I normally know that when he's like tired. He's- I know it sounds really obvious you know that that, no but that's good emotional regulation I guess is like a but again that's like trial and error because what you might deem like a wild tantrum might be different for someone else right like I I know for example uh my son is generally pretty even keel so Mm -hmm. if he's throwing like crazy tantrums Mm -hmm. I'm like what is going on whereas like I know some of my friends kids are just they're just more emotional like that. Like that's just how they are. So you need to know your kid's baseline is what I'm saying. And, and you, you've tested it and you've seen the difference in your case, like, oh yeah, when he's rested, he's better. Uh, he's more calm or whatever, more collected. Whereas when he's not, when he, when yeah. he's tired, he's not right. So again, trial and error and observing your child. Yeah. It's like, the, it's that's what we go back. That's not him. So when he's like, try something once and it's like, I'm just like, oh God, <laughs> but you know. Not always, like you say, though, sometimes it's other stuff going on for him, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. And then um, what else is there that I think? Yeah, and sometimes, and and yeah, like you said, sometimes fighting bedtimes mm-hmm. can be overtiredness. Yeah. Um, but it, again, it just depends on what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things that could and I mean, that's a whole nother episode <laughs> that that involved like fighting bedtime. Yeah, it is because, you know, especially with, like, I think, babies and younger toddlers, you know, an undertired child can just be like quite just you're you're trying whatever you're trying to feed them or rock them or lay with them, whatever. And they're just like, Meh, I'm happy. But that can then tip over into frustration if you're trying to make them sleep and they get angry and start arching their back and crying and frustrated because they're not tired so yeah it looks just so similar to overtiredness as well it's so hard it is hard yeah and that's again why you like you just kind of have to try it and that's why why I I really hate this idea that like wake windows um that it affects brain development because I think because I see that a lot with clients where they're afraid to try a longer wake window because they are afraid their child is going to be overtired and they're going to affect their brain and I'm like no like just I get it. I always like the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to be overtired, but like that isn't going to like 
ruin them. You know, you, you're going to make up for it. Just like you did. Like when you said your son was overtired at, on his trip, what did you do? You, you canceled stuff and you let him sleep. Right. And then he's fine. Like he's not like permanently harmed forever because you yeah, let him be overtired. Yeah. Overtiredness is not, is not a, a serious problem. It can be fixed. You know, it can be fixed. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, just like it is with any one of us, again, like we've all been, we've all been teenagers. We've all been out too late partying and, you know, been hung over. <laughs> like we've all had those days. And then, you know, it doesn't, yeah, again, if it's chronic, yeah. Like if you party for 10 years straight and like, you never go to, sure that might affect you, but like, if it happens from time to time, it's not the end of the world. So I, I just want people to know that. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest thing. So, um, and 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 then get to know like your child's need if you are concerned and if you are looking to especially to kind of like figure out their schedule you know if you need to kind of figure it out for your own sanity that's what I usually start with is I say figure out what their needs are like what their 24 hour average is and then kind of figure out how you distribute it um I find that that can be easier especially again for the lower sleep needs kid because then you might realize, oh, they only need 12 hours a night and I'm trying to get them to sleep seven to seven. That's not going to work. I need to figure that out. And they only need 12 hours in a 24 hour period rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you might be like, okay, something's got to give and, and then figure out where, where you can let that go. Maybe it's a later bedtime. Maybe you're okay with them waking up earlier. Maybe you need to cap them out. Like, you know, you have to kind of do what also works for your family. I think we can have that middle ground of, meeting both of your needs it doesn't have to be just everything that like how your child dictates either I I because I, I think people think that people like us are all about following your child's lead and like never intervening and uh, for me it's like yeah follow your child's lead and honor their humanity and also you have a life that you have to live right so I think yeah. you can do both <laughs> Yeah, totally. You could have, yeah, totally. You could have boundaries and you can let, yeah. And, and find what works for the whole family. It's like, yeah. Especially if you have multiple kids and I have to figure that out. <laughs> no, that's the next challenge. I hope she's an on the go napper. Cause I like, she's not going to have a choice. Yeah. It'll be fine. You'll, <laughs> she'll be a unicorn sleeper. I'm sure. <laughs> Don't jinx me. <laughs> you know, you might end up with one kid who's high sleep needs and one kid that's really low sleep that needs. That would be so nice. That yeah. So then I guess you're on like totally different. I don't know. It's probably, I don't know. It's probably easy to have the low sleep needs kid first. Yeah. 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 I could. See, yeah. It'd be interesting though, because because again, like we live our life on the go. So I don't know that I could do with a kid. Like it might be hard for me to have a kid that like needs to have like a two hour midday nap. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, how do I fit that in here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, interesting how it's different for everybody. Right. And, 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 and I think, yeah, but going back to, we've mentioned this a couple of times, but like, know that it's normal that sometimes your needs don't match your child's needs. Sometimes your temperament doesn't match your child's temperament. Right. Mm-hmm. I know my son would do much better on like a more consistent routine schedule, just in general, and I'm not a routine oriented person and neither is my husband. So that's really hard for us to kind of give him that, a lot of predictability. But then with uh, him, he might have then two really stressed out, miserable parents who right. then can't, aren't, you know, you might be doing. Yeah. So would he like, that's the thing. That's the thing about an attachment relationship, right? Like it's, it's a two way relationship and 
yeah. if you are like you know I'm I'm a control freak <laughs> um there's a there's a there's a middle ground like you know yeah to having too much routine too much structure but you've got like there's no if I try and go too relaxed I'm miserable as well like mm. it, you know like maybe me cancelling all like changing our holiday halfway through was more about my own need for control than my child's <laughs> need for sleep it's possible right yeah but yeah it made, me, it made us all enjoy the holiday better so yeah like I hate when like like my son's birthday's coming up in a few weeks and my mom is like so what are you gonna uh feed everybody and I was like ah, like I get stressed out as soon as I and like I don't know I'll figure it out it's <laughs> like I just can't deal with like that's too stressful for me uh and some people need to know like they have their like lists made up already and whatever. So it just, it's different. And so the point is to say like, it's okay that there's sometimes is a mismatch and it's okay to, to say, Hey, you know what? My kid is really low sleep needs and it's really freaking hard for me because I'm very high sleep needs and asking for help. And I know that that's a privilege that not everybody has, but like, how can you, the, the, this is really like a lot of the work I do. I'm sure you too, Hannah is like, isn't, making kids quote unquote sleep better it's rather how can we meet everybody's needs at the same time like how can we mishmash and figure out what works best for everybody because yeah so so sometimes yeah you know sometimes there's one partner who does get up every morning with the kids because they're the ones who can handle the early wakes and sometimes you know there's like my my husband doesn't handle waking up at night well so I do the wakes and it's fine I don't I truly because I can sleep anywhere anytime so if I wake up I'll go back to sleep so I don't mind getting up and breastfeeding at night and going back to sleep but I really like to sleep in in the morning so it's like we kind of you know I'm like okay this is our trade-off like I would really like you to let me sleep in but you can sleep through the night um so it's okay to kind of have that like to honor your own differences I guess is what I'm saying yeah and I think I I feel like I'm always saying this in every podcast but you know a big part of that like help even if you haven't got help from other people is coming back to that like how can you help yourself how can you be kind Mm -hmm. to yourself how can you give yourself a break in the situation Mm -hmm. so you know it I think that's why I talk so much about having these unrealistic standards and and worrying when you don't need to and things like that how can you just give yourself a break how can you let go of are there any are there any responsibilities or um ideas that you're holding on to that actually aren't serving you and um yeah and getting help can be in really small ways you know it can be talking to someone for half an hour it can be you know it's just about like not pretending that everything's fine it can you know help can be such a different I can think of one thing, like, I don't know about you, but this pregnancy has been tough Mm. and my son has watched a lot of TV. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) While I nap. (laughs) Find yourself, put on the TV. Like, it's fine. If you're holding onto this idea that, oh, screen time is awful, but it's, I mean, A, it's not. But like, you know, if that's something that you're kind of beating yourself up Mm. for, like worrying about how much broccoli they've eaten or whatever, but actually like it's fine if that meal isn't like and it, yeah. it's gonna not, not gonna like get many likes for it on Instagram or whatever like you know, <laughs> yeah break. like not Instagram perfect fine. yeah exactly it's, but like what do you need yeah in my case like I need to sleep yeah uh-huh. <laughs> no kid who's dropped a nap early and you know what if putting on an hour of tv in the middle of the day so that everyone gets some downtime 
is what get like what's the big deal like why I mean even saying out loud I'm like why would that even be an example of a bad thing but I know for some people they might beat themselves up yeah I certainly wouldn't and don't because yeah much like tv has saved this life would have a very different I mean that was kind of what we did like I mean I yeah that was our quiet time like as soon as sort of he dropped his nap it was like okay he and and to be honest he needed it like he needed even though he didn't need a nap anymore he needed some sort of a rest time in the middle of the day and for him that looked like watching tv I mean just for like you and I it's relaxing to sit down and watch a show that's what it was like for him and you also get to know yeah I don't know we're getting into screen time now but like again you just you know your child you know when your child has watched too much tv and when it's like affecting their I, for sure my my son if he's watched a few hours he gets a little crazy he he yeah. he he starts to have accidents a lot that's his big thing like it's yeah. even though he's like potty trained because he's just like entranced on the tv right so that's when we're like okay yeah. enough is enough but then there's time but like a couple an, an hour or two here and there it's great he and you know and he he's happy and he and I mean I argue he learns from tv and stuff too so point is is just yeah be be kinder to yourself and 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 don't be afraid to try things that's that's my biggest thing for everybody (laughs) amazing was there anything else you feel like we need to add about low sleep needs no no I think that's it and obviously reach out if you guys ever want to discuss either Hannah or I, I, I love like my DMS are open. If you just need yeah. to share uh, your struggles, sometimes people just tell me like, Oh, I learned this and now I feel so much better. And that's yeah. all, that's all you need. I, I feel you. I feel, and I feel you on the cat nappers too. So if you have a cat napper. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's tough. You want that break and yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I meant to say earlier, because you were talking about all the research into like memory development and naps and stuff. And one thing that jumped out at me about that, there was one particular study where they were saying that basically naps are essential for memory development. But what was really interesting, what I read was saying there was actually no difference in the memory like performance according to the length of the nap. So like Mm. children that naps for 10 minutes afterwards showed the same benefits for like the memory recall as they did of the children had napped for like an hour and a half so I think I just wanted to mention that as well because that's yeah. like when we see a study that says well children who nap have better memory recall we're not that's not the whole picture actually you could nap like you could nap yeah. for five and you might still have the same benefits anyway mm-hmm. that's, that's no cool. that's a that's so good though like that's so important um to mention and that's with anything any studies around sleep there's there's always more to the story always so just don't ever take it at face value yeah and you should <laughs> have a phd in infant sleep or child development to be a good parent like like you just keep saying no. look at your child look at yourself how's everyone doing is it really a problem yeah does it are yeah. we happy are, are we, we meeting happy? everyone's needs are we r- relatively happy because you're not going to be happy all the time <laughs> no household with children is like perfectly peaceful and like you know but like are we good enough basically it comes out to that and we like good enough yes probably I think most people are yeah yeah oh this was so nice I could chat with you forever I could like I know I okay. a bunch of but uh, I think this I hope this was helpful for people who are listening and uh you know if you're coming on my podcast check out Hannah's podcast 
she's got a lot of you've got a lot of good stuff there um i'll put i'll put a link to yours in the show notes and then we can help perfect same yeah so you guys we have podcastception happening today so uh check out each other's podcast and uh yeah thank you so much for having me <laughs> yeah thanks for being the first ever yeah podcast combo thank you awesome this was fun well thanks everybody see you next time so again a huge thanks to Paula and uh, if you want to find out more about her and her work or follow her on Instagram I've linked to all the information you need in the show notes and as ever thank you to everyone that sends in feedback questions uh, suggestions for future topics uh, if you want to get in touch with me you can do so via my own Instagram which is at little nest sleep and that's also in the show notes So thanks again for listening and I'll be back next week with another episode.